Flashing sharp, pointed, and insightful. This is Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. I have not spoken publicly during our investigation. I'm speaking out today because our investigation is complete. The Attorney General has made the report on our investigation largely public. We are formally closing the special counsel's office, and as well, I'm resigning from the Department of Justice to return to private life. So there's this, somehow this idea that President Trump's decision to push back against China caused problems for the American economy, when in fact uh, the challenges have been the fact that the Chinese were in a trade war with us long time ago. And now, Stacey Washington. Well, hello there. <laughs> I'm just, I've, I've had such a momentous morning because Missouri is yet again in the news for um, what has become dubbed the Missouri miracle. We were, if not the first state, one of the first states in the nation to have an operating abortion clinic um, before the passage of Roe v. Wade. And now it appears that we may indeed, through the shenanigans of Planned Parenthood and the grace of God, be one of the first states, the very first state in the nation to no longer have a Planned Parenthood abortuary anywhere within our borders. You know, we are the state in the country that borders the most states out of all the other states that have states that they border. We have eight other states that we border. And so there's a lot of argumentation that's going on. And there's a lot of just, you know, the rancor has increased. Planned Parenthood intentionally issued that press release yesterday that I discussed. And they sent it over to CBS News. They're an arm of PR for Planned Parenthood. And they have gotten a lot of news coverage off of it. They're fundraising off of it. Uh, Pro-abortion people are sending them money. And that's all part and parcel to what they're doing because the governor of the state of Missouri, Governor Parsons, gave a press conference this morning in which he discussed the this very simple things that Planned Parenthood of Missouri needs to complete in order to have their license renewed. And they still have two days to get that done. Meanwhile, he outlined violations that they've committed uh, that have harmed women and put their lives in jeopardy, performing abortions on women and women going back home afterwards and recovering and finding out they're still pregnant, uh, women being rushed away by ambulance, the doctor who signs the form saying that they will perform the abortion, not being the one who actually performs the abortion. In other words, no accountability. Um, and then the doctors themselves, nine of them, two of which have submitted to an, an, uh, an interview with the health department. The other seven have hidden themselves behind a shield of legal representation. They have lawyers who are refusing to schedule interviews with the Department of Health. When they cure those deficiencies under the law as it stands under Roe v. Wade, which is federal law and supersedes any laws that we would pass here in the state of Missouri, Planned Parenthood would be permitted to get their license. In fact, we would be duty bound, the state of Missouri, to issue a license if they were to bring themselves into compliance. So the issue here is not one of the pro-life movement crushing Planned Parenthood. It is one of Planned Parenthood crushing themselves. I I want I want it to be us running them down. I want to put them under our feet. Understand me when I say I am regularly praying for their demise. Not the people, but the organization and the op and, and the work that they do here, aborting a few thousand Missouri babies a year. Now the numbers down significantly. They used to abort almost seven thousand babies a year in the state. Now they're at about nineteen hundred plus babies that they abort in the state of Missouri every year. That's an amazing move of God. But he's not done. We are not done. 
And just like in the Bible, and this is part of the encouragement today, so catch it. In the Bible, you remember when Joshua and the men of valor went into, it was the Israelites, they moved into the promised land and it was inhabited by people that had already received many, many hundreds of years, 400 years, most of them worth of leniency at the hand of God for their barbarism, sacrificing children to Molech, uh, you know, all kinds of really, they, they were against God. And after giving them the full opportunity to repent and turn away from that sin, God gave their land over to the Israelites and the Israelites moved in with the mighty men of valor. And at one point, because they had many battles, Joshua felt faint and went to the Lord and said, what do we do? Do we go in? And God said to Joshua, I have already given this enemy into your hand, which translated roughly for us Americans is I've already won this battle for you. Walk it out. And so Joshua and the men of valor went down into that valley and started to slay the enemy. And when it was high noon and the sun was high and apparently the moon was visible, they realized they wouldn't be done slaying the enemy by the time the sun went down. And so Joshua ordered the sun and the moon to stand still so that they could finish doing the work that God had ordered them to do. Now, for people who don't believe in God, that sounds like a really cool fairy tale or something that we must be crazy for believing. But the word of God is true. God is not a man that he should lie. And when he says, I've given the enemy into your hand and he will be a footstool for you, he will be under your feet. He doesn't lie. And this abortion battle is already won. The key is, are we going to walk it out? Are we going to keep praying that Planned Parenthood of Missouri would close down? And that that would open the floodgates and that more people would come to know the truth about what abortion is, what an abomination it is, and how they cannot support it. First, within the Christian community and everywhere thereafter. Every person should have a full and clear understanding of what Planned Parenthood does, what abortionists do, and where the movement comes from. As Justice Clarence Thomas said yesterday, that abortion is rooted in eugenics. Then Margaret Sanger even said that abortion was the very worst of the worst, turning a woman against her own. And she, she preferred the method of contraception to get rid of black people and other undesirables. But it, it doesn't matter what she felt about abortion at the time. She's the mother of the abortion movement. And it is her words and her books that were the seed for Planned Parenthood as we know it today. And that eugenics movement seeks to eliminate people like me. The permanent tan makes me an undesirable, which is why Planned Parenthood, they're all located in communities of color. They're located in close proximity to black neighborhoods where people are poor and Hispanic neighborhoods where people are poor because they want to abort blacks and Hispanics. And they're doing an awfully great job of it. 33% of all abortions done in this country are done on black women. And we have black women aborted 40% of the black population since Roe v. Wade. That's eugenics. And Justice Clarence Thomas called it out yesterday in his concurring opinion. And they're going to allow these cases to percolate through the lower courts. Some will be overturned. Some will be upheld. And when that percolation is done, the Supreme Court of the United States is going to rule on whether or not we have allowed Margaret Sanger's dream of eliminating blacks and Hispanics and others like Down syndrome kids in eliminating them because they're society's weeds, that we are society's weeds. And if you're listening to the show and you're, you know, you're on the other side, you're a Democrat, and that doesn't pierce your heart, that sounds like a you problem. We're over here walking this thing out because we understand that at some point 
we're either going to repent for the sin of abortion as a nation or we are going to receive the wrath of God for it. Only those two options exist. And so two days left for Planned Parenthood of Missouri to comply with the requests of the health department in order to get their license renewed or they're going to take the battle to the court of public opinion by way of their mouthpieces in the media and we're going to take the battle to the same place we've been fighting it and I say we because I've been fighting recently but there are others in this state who've been praying in front of Planned Parenthood for 40 years. There are people in this state who have literally been fighting abortion since the passage of Roe v. Wade. Groups and organizations that have literally prayed this moment into existence. They've moved the hand of the father. And so this battle will be won there. I'm going to keep praying. I ask that you keep praying. I know there's a national day of prayer for the president on Sunday, but I ask that you my my request is that we pray over him when we bless our food. When we ask the Lord to bless our food, we should also be praying for the president and his administration and those who are placed in authority over us through our elected process. And additionally, we must pray that God's will will be done on earth as it pertains to preserving human life from conception to natural death. And I know that's like supposed to be so controversial. But 50 years ago, if you'd said to any woman, a Democrat, a Republican, any American woman, if you'd said, well, we'll be arguing about whether or not we're going to kill babies after they're born. We're going to have laws. Certain states will say that's okay. Certain states will say you can kill a, a woman's unborn child. You can beat her to within an inch of her life and kill the baby. And as long as you don't kill her, you won't be charged with murder. And women back then would have, you know, turned their noses up in disgust and said, I'll pray for you. You obviously are possessed. That will never happen here. Yet here we are. And so the push to bring things back to God's order is on. And the battle is being waged and we are ground zero right here in Missouri. So I just ask you to remember to pray for our state, our governor, the judge who is considering the request that Planned Parenthood has filed for a temporary restraining order on the, uh, their expiration of their license. And, um, you know, that, that people here would remain strong. It is such a beautiful thing to see the governor of the state of Missouri, who I, I don't know, Mike Parsons, um, for the big documentary that we did on the state of Missouri and the tax cut. He, I did not interview him. He was interviewed by somebody else. Um, so I've, I've never met him, never shaken his hand. But the man appears to be a godly individual who is honoring what God's will is as it pertains to unborn babies. And then just a final PSA for people who are listening to the program. And they're like, you know, you don't care anything about babies after they're born. You know what? Please stop putting your mouth on me with your lies. Please stop defaming the pro-life movement with your lies. Just because you're deceived and you don't understand what we're all about doesn't mean the things that come out of your mouth repetitively are true. The enemy is out to kill, to steal, kill and destroy. And he's using your mouth to get that done. Not only do we care about women and babies after they're born, we're the ones caring for them. Organizations that we support and partner with are caring for those women and will continue to do so. And if Planned Parenthood should you know, uh, have their stiff, stiff, stiff neck and keep it. And they want to have their license taken away so they can make this a big fundraising thing. Women who can't get abortions, who decide, well, you know, now what am I going to do? I'm going to keep my baby. They'll have their rent paid and they'll get diapers and they'll get blankets and they'll get whatever they need. Whatever need they have will be met 
by pro-life pregnancy centers and resource centers thrive places here in the state of Missouri. The Catholics have uh, two, two organizations that they use where you can literally go live there until the baby is born and after, and you can bring any kids you already have. So we're going to keep doing that work, whether you put your mouth on us with your lies or not. We're not even worried about you. You can keep lying. We're going to keep doing what we do. And so <laughs> after all that, um, we are now, I, I want to tell you what we're going to have on the show today. We're actually going to be talking with Christopher Hale. He's a political analyst, former advisor to President Obama. Um, I don't know about what. I don't see anything on the calendar, but I'm assuming we're going to talk about the t- Dems in 2020. I'm also going to set the Supreme Court of the United States record straight on Mitch McConnell's comments. I have that audio for you. Mitch McConnell said, um, you know, we're going to fill it. We're going to fill that vacancy. We'll listen to him and then we'll talk about what he said about the Supreme Court and whether or not we're obviously we're referring to Ruth Bader Ginsburg. If she should, uh, you know, retire during the year 2020, which is an election year. And I have the actual historical look back on that for you to use in your conversations with people who are going to claim that it's a double standard by Mitch McConnell. We are also going to talk about China gearing up to weaponize rare earths in rare earth minerals in the trade war. And we're going to get into Mueller, who today had a press conference so that he could vindicate himself. And I have some audio from that that we chose for today's show. And something glaring stuck out to me in that. Um, It was just really... It was interesting to hear his voice. Now, it's not like you can't find it. You know, there's a couple of videos of him speaking publicly because, you know, I think he used to head up the FBI. So it's not like he's never spoken in public. But I was fascinated by how frail he appeared, how this two year witch hunt that he participated in has decimated him. And my son would be totally all over me for saying decimated because decimated means to destroy by tenths. Um, it, it appears to have severely weakened him. And maybe that's why he's resigning, because he's not well. Um, and that, that doesn't bring me any joy, by the way. I'm not happy that he would be unwell physically. But it's an interesting thing to see him have one last uh, attempt to muddy the waters around impeachment and to continue to prop up the Democrats in their wrongheaded attempt to delegitimize the president of the United States. I don't understand why Mueller would want this to be his last public effort as the special prosecutor. So we'll dig into that and more. When we get back, we'll have Christopher Hale. Stay right there. I've been leading tours to Israel for over 25 years. Hello, everyone. I'm Tim Wildman, president of American Family Association and American Family Radio. I started going to Israel with my dad in the 80s and uh, learned how to lead tour groups. And so been doing it ever since. And now my wife has joined me, Allison, and we love taking folks who support AFA and listen to AFR to Israel. And we'd love to have you come along with us as well. That's in March of 2020. We're letting you know ahead of time because we know that people need as much advance notice as possible to get ready for a trip like this. So if you want to go with us to the Holy Land in March, go ahead and get the information at twholyland.com. That's twholyland.com. All the information on the March trip to Israel is posted there and hope you can join us. 
Hi, I'm Crawford Loritz with a Legacy Moment. Not long ago, I served on an ordination council. This was a group of ministers who quizzed a young man to see if he met both the theological and character qualifications for the ministry. However, the first time around, the young candidate didn't do so well. After a few months, we re-examined him. Well, this time he did a great job. He was asked if it bothered him that he had to be re-examined. The young candidate said, no, it doesn't bother me because I have a bit of a learning disability and I have always had to do things over again, but I eventually get there. This reminds me that when we retrace our steps and do things over again, the lessons and experiences become a permanent part of who we are. In Numbers chapter 33, verse 1, this principle is illustrated for us. These are the journeys of the sons of Israel, by which they came out of the land of Egypt by their armies, under the leadership of Moses and Aaron. Then these journeys are outlined. I just thought about the journeys. <laughs> All through those journeys, I can imagine people saying, are we going to get there yet? They had to retrace their steps. Ah, but there was a point to it. They had to learn certain lessons, and here God reminds them of those lessons. Let me ask you, have you ever recounted your journeys and thought through what you've learned? We run the danger of being shallow and superficial when we forget where we came from, what we have learned, and what we've been through. Well, here's what I want you to remember and do today. As soon as possible, set aside some time to write down the milestones and significant events in your spiritual journey. You'll have a fresh appreciation for what God has taught you. Join Crawford Loritz tomorrow for another Legacy Moment. Welcome back to Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. there. Welcome back to the program. Don't forget to visit us at AFR.net, OneNewsNow.com, and StacyOnTheRight.com. Hit the subscribe button so you don't miss anything. And right now, it's my pleasure to welcome uh, former advisor to President Obama and political analyst Christopher Hale. Hey, Christopher. Thanks for joining us today. Hey, Stacey. Thank you for having me. I appreciate you having me on the show. Yeah, it's good to talk to you. So you've got um, like a real horse race on your side. It's like Eight Kentucky Derbies going on. Um, twenty-four candidates, is it? I believe we're up to twenty-four now. Yeah, I mean, interesting. We'll, we'll, so the in twenty sixteen, the the, Democrat, the Republicans got up to sixteen, but obviously we're 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 pushing the ante. Everyone wanted to get in. I think what the big surprise was is we knew from the beginning that Biden would get in, but we had a few surprises. We I mean, think about this: we have two candidates from Colorado running for president of the United States, two candidates from California. Um, two candidates from Texas, so it is is quite a bit. And I guess now we have two candidates from 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 New York. So it actually kind of, in some ways, highlights one problem we have in the Democratic Party is we don't always have geographic diversity as much as we as we ought. So, um, but we we seem to have some of the more liberal strongholds on the coast put more candidates into the game. So let's talk about that when when you're looking at 2020. The race will obviously have to be run in those big states that you named off and the major cities will play a role. But in liberal strongholds, it's not so much an issue of campaigning there. It's just turning out the vote. But in the rural areas and states that they may not have as many electoral college votes, but they're still pivotal in winning, you know, getting to that magic number of 270. The Democrats have a real 
cultural problem. Most of the issues that rural America considers to be bedrock, the Democrats are on the far left of those issues, and they're not willing to have anyone in their party who um, is in the same spot as those rural Americans. And I think what's interesting about it is if, if there is any antidote to what your reality names that I think is mostly true, it's interesting on this part. The four states that 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 we began with in the, in the uh, Democratic primary are are rural states. We have uh, Iowa, we have New Hampshire, South South Carolina, and then we go Nevada. But we also too have the SEC primary. I'm from Tennessee originally. In early March, we have the SEC primary. So maybe, quite frankly, through the chagrin of, of, of um, um, some of the hard, hard left progressives, the early states in the Democratic primary uh, actually tend towards rural communities. So it's a, it's a strange reality that we have a setup, but you, you're highlighting a problem that's no doubt going to be true. Um, and I think what's interesting about it is you have folks who are courting to, to the left wing of the party. Um, but you have to realize a lot of these folks that are on the are on the far left. We didn't see them in the Democratic Party. They didn't participate until as much until until Donald Trump was elected president of the United States. So we know that a rank and file Democrat is not as far to the left as some of the folks in the primary are trying to go after. And so I I always encourage folks to realize that the average primary voter is more like an average voter than an activist on Twitter or social media. But. Are, are you saying, Christopher, that since the rank-and-file Democrat is much more of a traditional Democrat, but the majority of the candidates are running on the far left, that those candidates will simply temper their message for the election and then govern as Barack Obama did, which was he ran as a regular guy and he actually governed as a far leftist? Well, I disagree with the, I disagree with the associations of far leftists, but let me go back to, let me go back to the campaigning versus, versus uh, the mentality. I would say of the 24 candidates, about 16 or 17 are, are playing to the left flank. But the numbers aren't simply there. And so it's a little bit confusing. I mean, how far out there are we going to go on the left to try to win this sucker? What they've done is they created a situation where there's a significant portion, significant lane in the middle. Um, I think that if we're going to beat Donald, Donald John Trump uh, on November 3rd, 2020, we're not going to do so by calling for a revolution. We're going to do so by calling for a redemption of baseline norms and values that have held up in this country. And so I am looking at candidates who are speaking that message. I do think that Joe Biden changes the nature of this race. I have been inspired by Pete Buttigieg as well. Um, let's go back to the governance piece, though. I think it's well, no, but wait a second. You, so you mentioned two candidates. Joe Biden is actually going through and systematically dismantling all of his more moderate policy positions. He used to be for the wall. He used to think that immigrants from wherever they came from should endeavor to learn English. He used to be for, uh, he, he helped write the crime bill, and he was for giving criminals, you know, kind of throwing the book at them and, and making sure that our streets were safe. And most significantly, on the social issues, he used to be much more of a traditional Democrat, where now he's endeavoring to go back and erase his history on those issues and run right in the thick of the Kamala Harris, Cory Booker, Pete Buttigieg wing of the Democrats, which I agree with you. These standard bearers do not accurately reflect Democrats that I meet. But what you're saying about those two candidates, Joe Biden is no longer a moderate. And any moderate positions he held, he's he's systematically dismantling those. 
And Pete Buttigieg, Buttigieg is a openly homosexual man married to a man, and that is never going to play well in rural America. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, he got, he, he got he, uh, I, I, I'm intrigued by that. You live in St. Louis, Missouri, so you're not far from the Indiana line. You only have Illinois separating you. But over 2 million Indianans voted for him in, in 2010. Uh, I mean, are, are those are those folks are those folks defying uh, Christian values? Um, it, so let's go back. I think they are people. obviously. I mean, you're on Christian radio, Christopher, and so uh, here at you're, American you're Family Radio, you're pre- I mean, we're so, absolutely yeah. we we go by the biblical definition of marriage, um, and it, as you know, the Supreme Court once sure. felt that I was my ancestors were property, chattel property. So the Supreme we- Court ruling in Obergefell that marriage could also include two people of the same sex does not actually mean that they are correct. It means that they ruled as such and they have given it constitutionality, but it doesn't mean they're correct because if that's the case, if the Supreme Court's always correct, then how am I sitting here free, you know, in the suburbs with a house that I own talking to you on a radio show named after myself if I'm still chattel property? So we know the Supreme well, Court can be wrong, and we know they're absolutely. wrong in Obergefell if we believe in the Bible and we're Bible-believing Christians who actually hold to the tenets of what Scripture says. Do you think that oh, which one of his marriages is the best Christian definition of marriage? Oh, my goodness. No, obviously, Christopher, I've already commented on Donald Trump's having more than one marriage. I've already said that that's, that's not biblical. I've already commented on that. But... If someone says, I'm going to get married and divorced and then I'm going to marry again, it doesn't change what God's definition of marriage is. So the fact that he has had multiple marriages or that any president or any person might commit adultery or do anything that goes against the tenets of marriage that are biblical, it doesn't change what marriage is, which is a replication of the Godhead. The Godhead is three persons in one and marriage is a man and a woman and God in a lifelong covenant. And if someone breaks that covenant, it doesn't change the nature of the covenant. It simply means that a person has fallen. When you say that a marriage is anything other than that, then you're going against what God says. So it's not about Donald Trump. It's not about Donald Trump, Christopher. Well, let's clarify, Stacey. You're you're a smart woman. Thank you. Thanks for the compliment. You supported Donald Trump, and you acknowledged the time and again that he entered into unchristian uh, 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 situations that he himself defies Christian values time and again. No, he, he has sinned, as we all have. Well, he has sinned, 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 as we all have. In 1999, in 1999 he said... Oh, oh my goodness. Pro-choice. So listen, I, Christopher, no. So what? whenever we talk about the definition of marriage, and there's a person who's you know on the other side of the political aisle, every issue has to go back to how Donald Trump is, you know, he's this, he's done this, he's done that. Donald Trump is not the last president of the United States. He's not the only president of the United States. And Donald Trump's behavior does not dictate policy. It doesn't dictate what the Bible says. Donald Trump can be perfect from here until the day he passes on into eternity, or he could actually fall away and be, you know, horrible, or he could be as he is, a fallen individual endeavoring to do the job that he was elected to do. It wouldn't change what the Bible says. So my concern with this conversation we're having is that you're veering off topic into castigating Donald Trump's actions and using them as a method by which to impugn my Christianity as no, an evangelical. No, I quoted the Bible on that. Your, your, your issue with what I said about Pete Buttigieg, your issue is Buttigieg. with Buttigieg. Buttigieg. I, I can't pronounce it. Your issue <laughs> with what I said about Mayor Pete is with God's word. 
I didn't write it. I wasn't around when it came into effect. I only believe what it says. So God's word stands regardless of Donald Trump, regardless of Bill Clinton. It stands regardless of Stacey Washington. I have failed. I have fallen. Not in the same ways as Donald Trump. And I'm just as much of a sinner saved by grace as he is. There is no perfect person. And so is Pete Buttigieg. So I guess what I'm saying is But Pete Buttigieg is actually going against the word of God right at this moment (laughs) with with his advocation for, he advocates for same-sex marriage. That is not something that a Christian can do. He's okay with same-sex marriage. He said, I'm reading it right now, he said in 2015, it's not an issue that he would would go against. He actually said in 2015 that he was for Planned Parenthood. Yeah, he said a lot of things. But again, you're taking this back to Donald Trump, and I'm saying in the 2020 race, your, your offering of Pete, Mayor Pete, your offering of him, goes against what because if, if Donald Trump was in a same sex marriage, he would have never gotten my vote. And Pete well, is and therefore he can't get my vote. And it's not just me. There are pro life Democrats out there just as there are Democrats who believe in traditional marriage. Sure. There are people out there on both sides of the aisle who believe what God's word says. And so in any case, it doesn't matter what Donald Trump has done or will do. The issue is what does God's word say? And then you have yeah. to pick the best out of what's available to you, right? If I had if I had my choice, it would be someone who had never, ever had any of these major problems. But no one like that ran and won the nomination. So the 2020 race will be if it's Pete, Mayor Pete and Donald Trump, then obviously I would be voting for Donald Trump, regardless of the things that you said about him, the quotes that you've given about same sex marriage. A Christian man. Joe Biden is actually. I have no idea what his faith is. I, don't, I have no idea. But I know that Joe Biden believes that people who are in the country illegally should get medical benefits and they should be treated as citizens. That goes against What's the sovereign nation concept that is that also we... biblical. Christopher, the sovereign nation concept comes from the Bible. The fact that we're a sovereign nation and citizens have different, uh, different benefits than uh, the Old Testament. It comes from the Old Testament when God well, set up nations things, and borders. Tells us in Matthew 25 that Jesus says he'll judge the nations how we treat the strangers in our midst. Matthew 25, 13. Strangers. I mean, we, but we, what's the definition of a stranger when you go back through the Hebrew text and you, and you correlate that? Does stranger mean someone who has entered the country illegally or does it mean a sojourner in your land who is passing through? Which of those definitions well, applies named, in that scripture? Prisoner, he names the sick, uh, 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 he names, but answer my question, Christopher. Go back yeah. to the Greek, yeah. go back yeah. to the original yeah. translation. Does stranger mean, does stranger mean illegal immigrant or does it mean sojourner in your land? So it means what Jesus Christ himself was, a refugee who was fleeing one country. Jesus Christ was not, he was not a refugee. <laughs> they went there for you the census be. to be counted and then they went back. So again, Why was he, like, your he, issue is yeah. that you, you, your understanding, you, you definitely have done some homework and you've brought some scriptures to the table. But if you're not willing to understand what God's word says based on the original meaning of words and you're jumping around and kind of cherry picking what it is that you're using to support your position, then that is not going to be a viable argument. And it it just cannot stand. And so I I go back to because you said something that was pretty salient when we first started this conversation. You were discussing how you have these two people, Pete Buttigieg and um. Joe Biden, and that they represent the moderate part of the Democrats. And I think maybe, you know, I don't know if you did that intentionally or, or if it kind of is just something that I'm noticing, but you've pointed out a major problem that the Democrats have, regardless of who the Republican nominee is. And that is that your party's body, 
the large group of individuals who vote for the Democrats, which is a very varied group of individuals. Your coalition is very, very diverse. But in the end, most Americans do not subscribe to the policy positions of your standard bearers, the 24 people who are running for president. And in the end, rural America will be a part of it. Well, it's interesting. Why did 48 percent of Americans vote for Hillary Clinton and only 46 percent voted for Donald Trump? I'm, I'm confused by that. It, well, it, I mean, I, I, I consider the fact that some of the large states w- that she won the Electoral College votes for, the, the concentration of those votes were New York and California. California yeah, is almost 25 percent illegal immigrants and they have driver's licenses. So I don't I don't actually consider her popular vote win to be valid because we can't verify that all of the people who voted in those two states are actually citizens of this country. And that's kind of well, a big deal for me as a military veteran. You know what I mean? Well, I understand. Donald, Donald Trump's government said it was a valid election. They actually put a commission together and disbanded because there wasn't proof. Which no governors participated in. They all fought that commission. Governors didn't participate in it. They didn't offer their cooperation, and they were not able to complete their work in the means that they had originally set out to do. So just to clarify, then, you don't think I mean, this is important to think. So you think that the, you think the forty-eight uh, percent uh, that voted for Hillary Clinton versus forty-six dollars is an inflated number. I don't think the think... number is accurate. No, I don't. Okay. I don't think that that two percent difference is accurate. When we have, you know, 33 million illegal aliens in this country and the, the states that they're concentrated in are sanctuary states, sanctuary cities and sanctuary cities offer citizen benefits to people who are in the country illegally, people who are well, literally I mean, increasing our taxes and bringing not just disease, but obviously uh, an increase in crime and increase in drunk driving uh, rates. It's just it's lawlessness. And it's the kind of tyranny that now is spreading upward through the country. And none of the candidates that you have on your side are willing to do anything about it. Oh, that's, I mean, as someone who's not paying attention, the number one job creator in Missouri uh, in 2018 was immigrant-owned businesses. Um, Well, I guess I should be grateful for that since all of our schools now have English as a second language teachers, and those are $56,000 a year additional costs for Missouri taxpayers. So... I'm glad well, immigrants I mean, are creating jobs. Um, but did you see well, the poll it, it, it that said that Missourians don't want more lawful immigration and they don't want more illegal immigration? So that poll goes against the numbers. Anyway, well, it's always great please. to spar with you, Christopher. Yeah. Thank you for coming please. on today. Well, I appreciate it. I appreciate your time. We'll talk soon. All right. Talk again soon. We'll be right back. This is Uncommon Moments. Here's former Super Bowl winning NFL coach Tony Dungy and his wife Lauren sharing from their book Uncommon Marriage. We joke a lot about getting advice from our families on major decisions. Even when we were dating, I could see that Tony was always good about seeking input from wise counselors. When we bought our house in Pittsburgh, Lauren's family was there to help us. And as always, everybody weighed in. I told Lauren I was fine with that. I knew they were giving advice not because they didn't have confidence in me, but because they loved us and wanted to help. You know family and friends can be great sources of support, but Tony and I have found the best counselor, our Heavenly Father. If you're facing a big decision in your marriage, seek the Lord in prayer. Tony and Lauren Dungy, authors of Uncommon Marriage, learning about lasting love and overcoming life's obstacles together. 
Discover more at CoachDungy.com. Family is an institution set forth by God, one man and one woman for life, with the outflow being children produced by that union. It's obvious to all that there is an attack on the family in our country, and especially on fathers. Whether it's the cycle of sin that persists in our families or the pressure from our government to exclude men from being intimately involved, the strategic battle is on for the souls of men. Join us in the battle to strengthen fatherhood. UrbanFamilyTalk.com I love AFR. You say it's on the radio too? Here at American Family Radio, we know that many people find their audio entertainment in other places than the radio. So our programming is available with the AFR app on Apple and Android devices, through Amazon Alexa, and now available on Roku. I just love the podcasts. That too. American Family Radio, streaming our podcast, now available wherever you are. And we're on the radio. I'm Chad Pergram with the Speaker's Lobby. The blow-up at the White House recently appears to have helped President Trump capture the narrative he wanted. Mr. Trump and Republicans have long wanted to portray Democrats as rabid when it comes to impeachment and investigations. It's a problem if Democrats are perceived as pushing too hard on investigations and overplaying their hand for impeachment. However, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi holds a lot of cards. Treasury Secretary Stephen Mnuchin is pushing lawmakers to hike the debt limit. Otherwise, we could face an epic debt ceiling crisis out of the summer of 2011. That could spark a market shock. The sides also have to figure out a way to keep the government open in September. And Mr. Trump wants to eliminate mandatory spending caps. Key point, President Trump needs Democratic votes at several different inflection points this year. There's an old saying on Capitol Hill, settle early, pay less. If there are deals to be had on the debt ceiling, infrastructure, and government funding, the price tag just went up. Pelosi will demand a king's ransom now in exchange for helping the president with some of his priorities. With the Speaker's Lobby, Chad Pergram, Fox News. Welcome back to Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. The first volume of the report details numerous efforts emanating from Russia to influence the election. This volume includes a discussion of the Trump campaign's response to this activity, as well as our conclusion that there was insufficient evidence to charge a broader conspiracy. Welcome back to the program. Thanks for being with us today. Um, the live streams have lit up with comments about our last guest, and I do enjoy uh, Christopher Hale and getting a chance to chat with him about everything that's going on on the political left. I, I do feel like it's a little unfortunate that he and Democrats at writ large don't have an answer for us as to how they can run these far left candidates. They're in contests to try to see who can be the most socialist, while most Americans, the issues that they're concerned about, like the opioid crisis and stopping illegal immigration and so many other things, the economy, the uh, the trade war, um, Kim Jong-un. These are problems that Americans want addressed and all the Democrats can talk about. They have a, a nervous tick about issues that Americans, Americans don't care about, you know, the, the overarching issue of transgender bathrooms or um, the Me Too movement. It's that is not a major issue for 2020. Those are issues that you can talk about. Those are issues that are, make news, but they're not they're not kitchen table issues for Americans who are still trying to navigate the economy or, or are really hoping what what happens if we elect a Democrat? Will the Democrat go to, you know, reduce the tax cut or eliminate it? Well, Dem- and they've said they will. Will a Democrat push through socialized medicine? They've said they will. 
These are economic destroyers. Um, and I, I also I find it disappointing when, you know, if you're touting Joe Biden, who, who actually was gripping a little girl's shoulders yesterday, a little girl was standing in front of Joe Biden, smiling uncomfortably as he had his hands on both of her shoulders. And this is a small child. She couldn't have been more than 10 or 11. He's holding her by the shoulders. There are adults all over the place. He's facing the cameras and the media, gripping the shoulders of this child. So Donald Trump, I don't, I don't know all the things Donald Trump has done wrong. I know he's a man and he is working toward working out his salvation just like the rest of us. But I know he's not gripping kids by their shoulders today. I know he's not doing that. How about that? So th- the issue is not it's not about Donald Trump. It is about if we're talking 2020 Democratic candidates, it's Donald Trump's the nominee for the Republicans. It's who they're going to bring. And I see nothing but a wasteland of crazy outlandish ideas coming from them. Um, it's just it's astounding that they're, how, how far away from normal people they really are. Uh, so 866-963-2037, 866-963-2037. So let's go to the phones. Michael in Tennessee, thanks for calling the show today. Hey there, thanks for calling the show. Hello. Hi, what's your comment? Um, when um, I'm just 11 years old and I'm kind of new to calling in on the radio shows, um, but something I wanted to say was when I was watching um, what Mr. Hell was saying, how um, the Democrats got most of the votes in 2016, um, I've noticed the walkaway movement has got a bunch of Democrats that voted in 2016 to walk away and become Republicans. So I definitely think um, that it'll be different with how how the voting Turnout becomes, I think, more, definitely more Republicans. Uh, so from last time, vote. you mean it'll be different in 2020 from last time. I see what you're saying. Um, are you a part of the walk away? I know you're kind of young and you haven't voted yet, but or have you always been on the right or what? What's your situation? I've always been a Republican. <laughs> That's awesome. So so when you were listening to him, was there anything that stuck out that you agreed with or that you really disagreed with? I'm, I'm interested in your take on the interview because I, I like him, but obviously we're on opposing sides. Um, I've also gotten to know him just from following each other in politics. Um, because he ran so Democratic Party Trail in Tennessee. So I mm. followed him. Um, he said that the Democrats believe in decent issues. I feel like now it's all socialist Democrats and deals. It's tough to find just a good group of Democrats who believe in having a good America. They just want to socialism and they uh. want to take away the tax cuts. Wow. So I, I don't know. You sound like you're a burgeoning political analyst yourself. Um, you are very astute for your age. You're, you say you're 11? Yes. Well, congratulations. You you are pretty bright. I'm 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 impressed. I I really appreciate you calling the show today, Michael, and I hope you'll tip my hat. Uh pass on pass on my congratulations to your parents because wow, thank you. Thank you for calling the show today. Um wow, you guys. Did you who 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 here has their their finger up in the air like me? We're like we're at church trying to slide on out. Like who was that kid? I want to know his parents. Just real quick. I just want to meet them and find out what's going on in that household. Sounds fantastic. Um so 
uh, call lines are still open. We have um, 866-963-2037, 866-963-2037. As we were coming in, you heard Mueller repeating himself. Um, apparently him putting in the report wasn't enough. He is resigning. And so this was the only press conference he'll do about that. Um, okay. Let's go to Cheryl in Illinois. Hey, Cheryl. Thanks for calling the show. Hey, hey. Yeah. Just listening to you. Um, yeah, I'm on the road headed to Wisconsin and I'm, I'm really enjoying your show and your topics. Hmm. Okay. It's all good. Uh, awesome. I appreciate your, your, your view and your perspective on this as uh, uh, an independent here. I don't sway either, you know, right or left. I'm real independent as far as when it comes to voting, but I just really think you're reaching a little too uh, far when it comes to the Joe Biden thing and his hands on shoulders. I think we are above that. And I just, you know, you're all are reaching a little way too far over the over So the are, are you above it, Cheryl, it's when too. it's your daughter or your son? Are you a parent? I am. And I, I wouldn't be above it. Yeah, it was very innocent. He's not he's not a child molester. No, a, no one's no one's not, saying he's a child molester. That I've never said well, that. So if of, if you're thinking kind of where that, y'all are kind of reading it No, too. it's not. It's not about it's it's about inappropriate ch- touching. It's not about child molestation. Oh, it's I'm about not, in, you know inappropriate what, like, touching. You just do that to my children. They're, they have their hands on their shoulder. They put their arm around them and on their shoulder. Oh, so a person that you know, their teacher, a person they have a relationship with, but not a stranger. So I I don't know about your kids, but for my kids, the touching, if it's someone that they know, and and hear me out here, Cheryl, because you're you're saying that I'm calling him a pedophile, and I'm not, but I am saying that the touching is inappropriate. I'm not. Absolutely not. No, I'm not. It's not about him being a predator. It's about him not having any boundaries. He doesn't have any boundaries. It is a topic because he keeps facing the cameras and putting his hands on other people's kids. And as long as he's doing that, we're going to talk about it. And so, again, it would be fine for you, for a man you've never met before, who holds a position of political power, to put his hands on your child. That's that's your family. It would not be okay with me. It wouldn't be okay for him to sniff my hair or to spend prolonged amounts of time breathing in and out of my ear. Cheryl, don't, don't, don't overtalk me. This isn't that show. You can't overtalk me. Cheryl, it's okay for you to feel that way, but it's not okay for me. I, I don't, I don't agree. And when you say I'm reaching it, basically you're projecting because you feel fine with it. You're perfectly fine with him touching you and touching your kids, but I'm not. And he and I would be touching if he were to put my daughter, our youngest daughter, his hands on her shoulder and leave them there. He and I would be touching. And then, of course, me and the Secret Service would be touching. And then, of course, you know, I'd probably be touching the carpet, but he would no longer be touching my daughter. That's how that would work. And Uh I'm pretty sure my husband feels the same way. You know, I think it's out of control. He's still doing it. You've seen what? I've seen Trump. I've seen Trump put his hands on, his, on shoulders of children, too. And but did he sniff them? I, mean, I don't even want to get into discussion. But, but did, brown, did he sniff them? So Help me out here. Them. Help me out, Cheryl. Does he sniff the girls yeah. in front of the camera? No, he doesn't. Does he put his hands on the shoulders and sit in a chair behind the women while their husbands are there and speak to them in their ear from behind them? No. I mean, I, so if, if you think Donald Trump has had inappropriate behavior, not, then you I'm should see this is in the same Trump vein. And I'm not going to, I'm not defending Trump in any way, shape or form. This is, well, this you're, is but you're, you're equivocating. You're saying it's similar. 
And I don't think it's similar at all. I, no, I, not at all. It's yeah. Well, then I then well, then Donald Trump so shouldn't think, have been a way that you justified what much, you believe. I think there's better topics that we could discuss that would be a little bit more. Well, and so for oh, the interview okay. that I had with Christopher okay. Hale, he brought up Joe Biden. And that is how that was in, interjected into the conversation. And Joe Biden um, this is something that has to be discussed when he's brought up because he's still doing it. Even if we offer him the benefit of the doubt, he's still doing it. I, I was actually flabbergasted when I saw that picture this morning of that little girl from yesterday with his hands on her shoulders. And even if her parents were to issue a press conference saying she enjoyed it, he enjoyed it, and they enjoyed it, it would still be inappropriate to me because every time he does it without asking permission first, he is invading the space of a person who is too young to say no. And we know that because no child has ever turned around to him and said, please take your hands off me. And so the adults in that room are the ones who have to protect the child. And when adults invade the space of children and those children don't have anyone to defend them, then I guess it's Cheryl saying, well, you're overreaching. What would you say if you found out one of those kids didn't like being touched like that? You would say, well, it's no big deal. He's not a child molester. He's not a pedophile. He, he likes you and he did that and, and you should feel fine with it. And if that's your feeling, you know what that makes you, right? Hmm. I don't have any more for you. Kevin in Ohio, thank you so much for calling the show today. Oh, Stacey, I just love the way your brain works. I just wanted to say that first to you. And <laughs> the other day, you used the term Marxism on your line the other day, and very few people are, are, are referring to the Marxist doctrine. They're so brainwashed right now that they all say the soft words like socialism and fascism, but they're not using the understanding of where it all came from. And part of it is that they don't understand their civics. They don't understand how economics works in the world with how you know, a free market works and how, and how a socialistic Marxist society works. Well, I think we should use it because if it encourages one person to look up Marxism and see how many people died at its hand or to see that these are all, you know, arms of the same octopus, the socialism, the Marxism, the communism, and to see how dangerous it is for us as Americans to be toying with it, then, you know, I, my work has been not in vain. So I really appreciate that. And thank you for calling uh, and, and for listening to the show. Hey, Denny in Kansas, thanks for calling the show. Uh, yes, ma'am. Yeah. Good to hear you. I'm, I'm the first time I've ever heard your show, first time I've called in. Oh, uh, thank you for calling, and I thanks just, for tuning in. Yeah, and and I'm kind of, you know, I'm with you on Joe Biden. I, I've never liked him. I've never, you know, voted for him. I've never voted for a Democrat. I've, I've, you know, my first election, I voted for Ronald Reagan, and I've been mm. a Republican all, all my adult life. My problem with Trump, and I do have a problem with Trump, is not uh, the personal issues. I mean, we, we you, like you said earlier to a caller, you know, we're we're all sinners, and we have our cross to bear, and we all have to, you know, it's a direction of your life, uh, whether you're in, going in the direction of, of embracing sin or you're going in the direction of embracing God. And I think, you know, that's true. You can see on both sides of the aisle there are those that, that you know, are not repentant in their mm. walk with God. Um, my problem with Trump, however, is that uh, he's so discontent. I just, 
constantly attacking people, constantly instead of, uh, you know, regardless of what side of the aisle you're on, we've got to get some things done. And his refusal to do that has put us in a situation where Washington is broken. Now, I know he didn't start that, and, and, it, and it goes way back, but um, I think it would serve our country better if he could reach across the aisle and actually work out some things and not, you know, re- react the way, you know. I mean, he's under investigation, I, I think, for good reason. I mean, there's some... There's no reason anyone should ever have to hide their tax return. There's no reason why anyone should ever have to uh, order people not to speak to the Congress or whatever. Well, but wait a minute. There is a reason. The reason that he would tell Don McGahn, White House counsel, not to talk to Congress is because he enjoys executive privilege. And so there are things that are classified. Uh, And and then uh, uh, one more point. When you're talking about the, uh, the attacks... Are you saying that you think that if Donald Trump had the demeanor of Mitt Romney or John McCain, that the Democrats would be working with him right now? I, I don't know that. I don't know the answer to that. That's I not, don't think that's they would. Point. They're, they're out to remove I, I him from well, office. Well, I, I understand that. And and part of it is the part of the reason is, is because his behavior during the no, election. No, they're trying to remove him from before he was even elected. I, I, if you want to well, hold on, you're welcome true. to. Um, you, if sure. you want to hold on, you're welcome to, because I, I don't want to cut you off. I actually think you're raising some valid points that we could talk about. If you want to hang on, please do. Um, otherwise, what we're going to do is we have a couple more callers. We'll be back with you after these messages. If you're leaving us now, God bless from the heartland. You have a fantastic night, and I'll be back with you tomorrow. All right.